Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to my podcast series. I'm your host, Polina Edmonds, and today's episode is going to be about all things competing internationally for Team USA. So I'm talking Junior Grand Prix events, Grand Prix events, Senior B competitions, Nationals, World Championships, the whole shebang. But to start, I'll give you a little background on how I even was able to qualify to start competing internationally for Team USA. So to be selected for an international competition, you have to be at least 13 years old in the junior division. So that means I needed to be in peak form by the age of 13. How did I do that? What were the first 13 years of my life like? Well, let's get into it. So I started skating at two years old, and this is really because my mom is a figure skating coach. So naturally, I was the rink baby, and I was just kind of put out there right after I could walk. I did gymnastics when I was around one. I started doing ballet when I was four years old, and I was always doing conditioning, kind of strength training out on the track before the age of five years old as well. When I was four years old, I passed my first moves in the field test. This is when I started taking from my coach, David Glenn, who carried me through almost all of my competitive career. And then when I was eight years old, I passed my senior moves in the field test. So it took me four years to pass all of my moves in the field. After I passed all of my moves in the field, I kept up with my skating skills by starting to do ice dancing tests. So I went all the way up to pre-gold up until around the age of 12. I think the last dance that I was trying to pass was the Starlight Waltz. Never ended up passing it, but I was almost there. (laughs) So yeah, competing. I was always competing from a really young age, all over, not only locally in my hometown in the Bay Area, but all over the USA. I was going to Colorado Springs for Broadmoor Open. I was going to Philadelphia for their competition. I was going to Los Angeles for our Golden West and then Glacier Falls. I was trying to get as much exposure as possible And I really needed to practice competing always, putting myself out there, putting myself through this adrenaline rush and being able to handle the nerves always from a young age. It needed to be dynamic. Um, And I always was showing what I learned each year. Every year I had a new element. Every year I had something new in my arsenal and I was showing it in my competition. So even if I wasn't absolutely perfect in every single competition, you could see that I had progress through my elements. When I was 10 years old, I qualified for my first nationals. It was junior nationals, so I was in the intermediate level, Um, but it was in Lake Placid. It was was an amazing competition, and I still have a memory of the after party where I went (laughs) to the party where all the skaters were at, and there was a karaoke, and I jumped on stage, and I sang California Dreaming to literally hundreds of skaters and people, and it was just, it was very interesting. My skating rink growing up, we didn't have a lot of ice time. So we I was skating, you know, before school, obviously, and then after school. But there wasn't a lot of hours that I could skate on a freestyle session where it was only for figure skaters, only for people of kind of higher level to be practicing our programs, our jumps. And so there were a lot of times where I had to go on the public session and I had to learn and focus and be able to do my jumps next to kids who had no idea how to barely skate. 
And I had to always finish my plan for the day. Every single plan that my mom put out for me, that my coaches put out for me, it needed to be finished before I left the ice rink. So that was really hard for me because sometimes I wouldn't be able to finish everything and I wasn't allowed to go home. My mom would drive off without me and leave me at the ice rink and I would be in tears and I would be a mess because I just didn't want to do it anymore. But she would come back in a few hours and I had my backpack with me. So in that time I could do homework or whatever. And she would come back for the 7 p.m. public session that opened. And I would have to get on the public session and I'd have to finish my job. Then I could finally go home. So that was, you know, a little bit traumatic in some senses just because it was pretty extreme. But at the same time, it really taught me that I, I needed to finish. I could not just let things go and expect to have success later. It needed to be full commitment and I needed to have that discipline. So in middle school, I was... 11, 12, and I was starting to have a burnout already. I had a huge mental block for about six months where I just couldn't jump at all. Every jump that I tried to do, I would back out of and I would circle and I would pop and I could never just pull in. And it was either somebody was too close to me or I didn't feel like I had enough space or I just had all these butterflies in my stomach before the jump and I couldn't pull in and I just, I couldn't do it. And my coaches were at such a loss. They tried yelling at me. They tried crying with me. They tried so many different tactics to get me to do it and I just couldn't and then one day my friends at school they were going to go to Jamba Juice after school and they were going to go get their nails done and it was the last day of school of my seventh grade and I was really wanting to go with them I just wanted a day off from practice to be able to go with my friends get my nails done do things I never got to do and so I was pleading to my mom to let me do this and she told me hey if you can go the whole week and you can pull in on your jumps, and you can do your job, you can go. That was all the motivation I needed. That was the click in my brain that got me to start jumping again. And that entire week, every time I got butterflies in my stomach, I thought about Jamba Juice. That was the one word that kept replaying and replaying in my mind. Jamba Juice, Jamba Juice. And I would swallow those butterflies, and I'd pull in no matter what, because I wanted to go to Jamba Juice. (laughs) And that was kind of how I got out of that little burnout. It It was letting myself have the break for the day, the opportunity to do something that I felt was normal and a lot more fun than daily practice. And that reined me in and and I was able to really work hard on the ice after that and know that I was training for competitions and that I was going to be okay. So by the time I was 13, I had all of the elements um, and I was competing constantly no matter what the result was. By the end of the year, I went to nationals and I hit everything in competition for the first time. And There was not a more perfect moment than that. Competing, I had a triple flip, triple toe, a triple lutz, and a double axle in my short program. And I skated it clean, and I had a standing ovation in my hometown. It was the moment of all moments for me. By age 14, I was winning all the summer competitions. I was trying to qualify for the Junior Grand Prix because I was already 14 years old. So they could definitely send me to compete with the 13-year-olds and 14-year-olds and 15-year-olds that were competing on the Junior Grand Prix circuit. I kept competing all summer at Broadmoor Open, at Glacier Falls, at the U.S. International Classic in Salt Lake City, trying to show that I was able to skate clean and that I had these triple-triple combinations and that I was really competitive with the other girls out there, but I wasn't sent. (laughs) I was not picked for any of the Junior Grand Prix, so I went to Nationals that January and I won. I skated two clean programs with triple-triple combinations. I was first, and it was my first big win my first gold medal at a national championships 
And I was so excited because that meant I was most likely going to go to Junior Worlds. We had three spots, so even if they wanted to send some seniors, like I was a shoe-in. Junior National Champion, of course, they're going to send their Junior Champion to Junior Worlds. And then the announcement came, and I wasn't on the team. They picked three seniors. It was crushing. It was so devastating because I had been working so hard, and I had finally shown my consistency all summer at nationals in the biggest pressure riding competition. I showed that I could do it, and I I showed that I was the best in the U.S., and they didn't pick me, and I was so confused, you know? Like, we had three spots. Why send three seniors and not at least one junior? Your junior national champion is not going to junior worlds. And so U.S. figure skating, their representative sat down with my mom and me and my coach, and they explained to me that while they thought I did a phenomenal job, they couldn't send me because they didn't think I had the experience to handle such a big event like Junior Worlds. They didn't think that I would be able to handle the pressures there, and they didn't want to just throw me to the wolves. Now, I was obviously fighting them. I wanted to go. I was ready. I told them, I don't care about any of that. I'm going to show that I can compete. I'm going to show that I can do it at this Junior World Championships. But they just didn't want to hear it, and they said that if I had international competitions prior to, then that would have put me on the team. And so I kind of looked at them and I said, why didn't you send me in the fall then? You saw all summer that I was competing clean programs and I was competing and winning competitions locally. You saw that I was ready and you didn't send me. Why not? And they just kind of shrugged their shoulders and they they didn't really say much to it. And they just apologized that I wasn't able to go to the junior world championships. And so it was this crushing reality to me that even when I was doing well and even when I was doing the most perfect that I could, I just wasn't good enough and I wasn't able to break through that political barrier of them not wanting to send me and to have me represent them. So luckily, the next fall, flash forward six months, I was on the Junior Grand Prix circuit and they were sending me out finally internationally and I made sure that I was performing well and winning. But let's talk a little bit about the Junior Grand Prix. So basically, for the Junior Grand Prix, you want to perform well during summer competitions locally. So for me, that was Glacier Falls, Broadmoor Open, Philadelphia, anything. As long as you're competing well, you're kind of on the radar already for U.S. figure skating for judges and officials to be watching you and to be mindful that this girl looks like she's ready. She's been training all through summer, maybe through spring. She's ready to compete in the fall and be competitive. So she seems reliable. We're going to send her. At that point, you're going to get at least one junior Grand Prix. You never get two right off the bat because if you compete well at one, you can get a second one. It all depends on your performance. So for me, my first junior Grand Prix was Mexico. So I went to Mexico City where there was so much altitude. Like it was almost 8,000 feet and it was torture. Oh my God, it was horrendous. One lap around the rink and you were out of breath and they had ambulances ready outside as well as oxygen masks in the kiss and cry for when the skater left the ice after their program. Um, It was that difficult. But yeah, I really love JGP Mexico though because they did such a phenomenal job organizing the event with the hotel, with the busing, with the actual competition. It was... um, It was great. They had a really great party for us afterwards where we were all dancing on the dance floor to YMCA and all these old songs, and it was was really fun. There were a lot of really good skaters as well that were there. Um, So I was there with Nathan Chen. I was there with Nam Nguyen. I was there with Mariah Bell. I was there with Jean-Luc Baker and Caitlin Hwayek. I was... I was with a bunch of really great kids, so it was just such a great time because of that. And so that was my first international experience, and it was in a 
ice rink that was part of an arcade. You walk into the rink and there were a bunch of arcade games, there was a bowling alley, and then right past it was the ice rink. Um, the ice was bumpy as well, there were a bunch of hills and stuff, so it was it was very interesting. But I was able to skate two clean programs even at that high altitude and I won, so that was a really big moment for me. And so right after that I was selected for my second Grand Prix, which was Junior Grand Prix Belarus, so I was going to Minsk. The team that you're sent with, the selected skaters that are going to be representing your country at that competition, the entire trip, all expenses are paid for you and one of your coaches. So your flight is booked by U.S. Figure Skating by Team USA. Your hotel is also booked by Team USA. You have a roommate normally. They would never pair two single skaters in the same room, right? So I was a single skater and I was always rooming with either a pair skater or an ice dancer. Um, And so they do that so that there's not this weird, you know, competition vibe or pressure or whatever, no sabotage going on in the hotel room, right? Um, And then if it's an odd number of girls or guys, usually the highest ranked person will get their own room. So like, for example, when I was at the Olympic Games, uh, the person who got their own room was Meryl Davis because she was um, the highest ranked competitor there there's a shuttle like pretty much every 30 minutes or so that will go from the hotel to the rink and you have a badge that gets you in um, lets you on the bus gets you into the backstage of whatever Um, so there's no issues you always have transportation available to you to go to the rink and then when you're at the hotel and usually the rink as well they have at the hotel it's a ballroom at the rink it might be some like private room somewhere downstairs that will always have food. So they'll have breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and you kind of get meal tickets that you can go and just give to them. So you, all your food is um, available to you, and they have all these options for all of the skaters, and so it's basically a dining hall. So that makes it fun if you're going and you, you know, see your friends or you have friends that you can go sit with. So for me, it was always maybe who I was rooming with, Team USA people, or if I were with friends from other countries, whether it was Masha or Nam or Dennis or anybody, um, it'd be really fun to just go and chill out and hang out with everybody you didn't really have time to go and sightsee ever so even though I've been to all these really cool places Shanghai three different places in Japan I was in Seoul in South Korea I've been to obviously Moscow and Russia I've been to Canada I've been to Grenoble in France you're primarily in the hotel room and the ice rink that's pretty much it because you can't take time when you have this really really heavy focus and this heavy pressure on you to just go and do things that are fun that are not in the schedule that are not productive to your competing even walking people like don't want to go and sightsee like if they have a few hours at the end of the day because they need to be resting for optimal performance for their competition and so if you have a little bit of time half a day a full day at the very end of the week after competing that's kind of when people can go sightsee a little bit for the day But that's, you know, on your own dollar, you take a taxi or whatever form of transportation you can to some main city, walk around, sightsee for a little, and then you come back. Um, It's fun. A normal person would go to a country and travel and see the world, right? You're there for a job. You're there for a specific reason, and that's to compete. So it's funny, even though I've been to all these really cool places, I can't say that I've seen that much of them because my time was primarily in the rink and the hotel for my second Grand Prix. I competed again two clean programs there and I won and I qualified for the junior grand prix final. So the way that works right is that there are six or seven junior grand prix and the top six scores from the combination of that they get to go to the final. So I was one of the top six in the world that had qualified for the final. There were four Russians and two Americans that were going and 
I was really excited to say the least because it was in Japan as well and I had never been and I was so excited to be going uh, with my good friend Nathan Chen who was at both my junior Grand Prix and we both qualified for the final. So we were ecstatic. The final was just an amazing competition because when we were at the final, it was a huge arena. It was like the Grand Prix events. It wasn't just a little skating rink um, in some country. This was what the seniors got to do, but we as juniors got to experience a little taste of it. And so I was at the final and I was competing against Shenya Medvedova, Masha Sutskova, Sasha Proklova, and Serafima Sankovic. And I was also with Angela Wang, who is the other U.S. lady there. And so it was it was so cool to just be a part of that environment. And I had competed. It was my first time in such a high stakes and high pressure situation and I would just get on the practice ice and within the first minute people were just warming up these girls were cranking out their triple flips and triple lutzes their triple triple combinations that just was unheard of and especially in the U.S. you know you take five or six minutes to really warm up your edges like slowly get into it not just bam right off the bat so that was kind of intimidating for me but at the same time I had the elements just like they did and even though the way that I was doing them was differently than them at the end of the day, we both had it. And it doesn't matter what you do in practice. What matters is if you can put it into competition, you get that one shot on the ice. Can you nail it? That is the moment that everybody watches, not what happens in the first minute of practice. That was kind of the Junior Grand Prix scope of everything. And so I made a lot of friends in the Junior Grand Prix ranks. I was running around all the time with Nathan. I was running around with my pair roommate, Christina Zaitsev. I was running around with my I stance roommate Chloe Lewis and I became friends with Lorraine McNamara and Rachel Parsons who were both at the Junior Grand Prix final as well and so it's it's so great for juniors to be at the senior event because you see all of your heroes and you see all of these seniors that you really look up to and they just they're normal people and they talk to you like nothing and it's it's really cool. So yeah then moving to senior senior Grand Prix and senior B's so Summer competitions are good, but they're not really necessary. Senior Bs are kind of the practice for Grand Prix, so it's great if you get selected for one and you can go and kind of get out there on the international scene and start, but nobody really, really expects you to be 100% ready at a Senior B yet because you're, you're trying to peak more towards the end of fall and especially for Nationals and Worlds, which is the second half of the season. A Senior B is really at the beginning and you should perform well. You want to perform well. If your country is sending you somewhere to represent them, you should be ready to perform as good as possible. But they're not held to the same kind of standard that a Grand Prix would be. And then um, selection for the six Grand Prix is based on world and national ranking. So games are kind of played on who goes where. They're not going to send, you know, all three of their best skaters to one Grand Prix. They spread them out. So there's kind of like an A team, a B team, and a C team sort of in who they send to each Grand Prix. It's really fun to see who gets picked where because you always want to see if you and your friends from different countries or from the same country are going to get paired at the same event. So I would always get really excited if I was going to a Grand Prix with Nam from Canada or Nathan or... Masha or Max Aaron or Dennis Ten or Eliana Pogorbinski, you know, any of my friends in the senior ranks, if I got paired with them, it was an immediate phone call, it was an immediate text to them saying like, we were so excited that, you know, we're both going to Canada or we're both going to France or we're both going to Russia. Ideally, you want one of your Grand Prix to be close and one of them to be far. So 
you don't want too far ones. If you're traveling so far to France, for example, and you come back and you have a week or two and then you have to travel to Japan, it's a lot of travel and that does kind of affect performance sometimes. That does affect our bodies, obviously. The top skaters are usually going to be getting one close competition, either Skate America or Skate Canada, and then either Russia, France, Japan, or China. The first year, I was sent to both China and Japan, which was really difficult because it was such a long flight both times, but still, it was um, an amazing experience to be able to go to those countries and to attend those Grand Prix. Um, I didn't care. And then the next year, I was selected for Skate Canada and Cup of Russia, so... I got one close one and one far one, um, which was really, really nice to feel like I didn't have to travel that far for one of them and then far for the other. What is the week of competition like? So you come to the competition and you usually have a day or two of practice before the competition. Some skaters like to come days and days before so that they can kind of get acclimated to time, get used to the ice, the practice, feel comfortable, and then compete. That did not work for me. Um, I realized pretty early on when I went to China for the first time that I was there too early. I was peaking in my first and second practices. And then by the time a few days rolled around and it was time to compete, I was already down. I wasn't competing to my prime. I, I looked weaker than I had the first two days. And I was making mistakes that I usually don't make. So that's when my team and I realized that I needed to come as late as possible. And I needed one day of practice and then perform and compete the next day. So that way my adrenaline rush is already flowing within that first and second day. And I can perform at peak quality. Um, and so everybody's kind of different with that. I found that the recipe for me was one day of practice and then compete right away. You basically just have to figure out what works for you and what doesn't and go from there. So for nationals, nationals is so amazing. It's the one time of year that all of the skaters get to come together at one competition. You get to see everybody. It's like a big party because everybody trains all over the U.S. and you see each other sometimes at competitions, but not for long. Nationals is, you know, it's the pot that everyone's thrown into. So you see everybody and there's so much media and there's so many fans and it's just this hub of everything figure skating and everything you've worked for for the year. So it's a lot of pressure, but it's also so much fun. There's a lot of pressure to be selected for the next teams, right? So you want to be selected for the Four Continents competition or world championships and so that's kind of the second half of the season so that you don't just end with nationals so there's a lot of pressure for the high senior ranked people because everybody wants a spot and the spots are limited which is why nationals is so um, nerve-wracking for so many people because even if you're competing well you know all year or you haven't but you just want the opportunity and the chance and you're trying to peak for nationals it all comes down to that one moment on the ice that decides your fate literally for the next year it's scary, but it's what makes those on top the best because they're able to handle those nerves and they're able to push through in order to qualify for the next things. Worlds and Four Continents, those are the biggest competitions of the year. And it's the world skating community. It's, it's the absolute best. It's the same feeling as nationals, except you're at this world championships where everybody in the world, you know, the top skaters are all at this one big party of a week together. But again, it's also the most nerve wracking because... That one moment on your ice decides your fate for the next year of whether or not you are one of the top three in the world, whether or not you're on the podium. That kind of label that your world champion or your world silver medalist or your world bronze medalist, that ranking is what holds you really high the next season. 
when you go to your Grand Prix, when you go to your Nationals. If you have that past result, you're held in a different caliber. You are a medalist, something that no one can ever take away from you. You will be forever. But it also shows that you were able to reach that point once, and so who's to say you can't reach it again? It's, it's a really crazy environment for sure at the World Championships, but it's, it's the most fun if you get to qualify. Being done afterwards, you kind of get a little bit of a break, and so everybody is just so happy after the World Championships because you either go do a few shows or you get kind of a little bit of vacation in the spring, you know, April time. You just got to chill out a little before you get right back in the zone in May and June for training new programs, getting ready for this new season. And so it's pretty insane, honestly. It's pretty nuts. Training for these competitions are, it's it's crazy. You just kind of have to keep doing the same thing over and over again each day. You're doing the same movements. You're doing the same routines, the same plans, and just trying to perfect everything. You're trying to bring the most quality out. You're trying to be consistent. Because if you hit eight out of 10 of your programs before you go to the competition, you're most likely going to be able to hit it in the competition. But if you're only hitting like two out of the 10, you're most likely going to make mistakes in the competition. So it's it's that training mentally and physically of, yes, I can do it because it's muscle memory in my head. But at the same time, physically, you need to keep in shape. You need to keep doing the same kinds of things and just trying to make yourself better for this competition. You have to have a lot of confidence in yourself. You have to believe in yourself that you're going to be able to win, that you have an opportunity to win. At the end of the day, if you don't believe that you're number one, if you don't believe that you deserve to be where you are, you're not going to be able to perform to the best of your ability. It needs to come from within. It needs to come from you. And so I think that's what a lot of the top athletes and the top skaters are able to do is when they're in training, when they're physically so beat down from all of the different exercises and they're sore and they're tired, in their minds, they know that this is the recipe, this is the formula for being a champion, and this is what is going to make me perform well under the bright lights. And they know that they have the capability of performing well and putting it on the table when it counts. And that's kind of the mental attitude that you have to have when going into these kind of high-stake events because otherwise, how are you going to be able to handle the pressure? Yeah, so I hope you enjoyed that little International Team USA skating episode. Tell me how you feel about it. Leave me some comments. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you want new episodes to be like. Follow me on Instagram. That's where I'm promoting this, at Paulina Edmonds. You can comment on my posts and tell me what you think about this episode and what you want to see. Can't wait to share more stories with you next week and stay tuned for more. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.